We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fight week. The big man is back. What it do, bro? That's good, man. Everything's good. I'm just happy, like, pay-per-view. I'm already slipping on the last pay-per-view. Volkanovski. Volkanovski and the one before that we went to, which mm-hmm. is cool. I'm ready, man. We went to that one 272. I don't think I've been on the podcast since then. That's right. right. We previewed it. And, like... Well, we did the pod at the win. Right, right, right. But then, since then, no. Yeah. So I was going to get you on 273, but there was a mix-up with our schedules and couldn't get you to come on. Uh, I would like to try to do these before the pay-per-views. A yeah, lot they're people, always a blast. Yeah. But I was just going to say, like, we went to that event. I, like, I, we, we had gone previously in November, so it was about maybe five months apart. But every time I go to a UFC event, I just, I'm just, like, reminded of, like, how much of a good time it is all the time. Like, it's six hours of just action. Yeah, and then you got beers in between. We always talk about this how it's like the greatest. It is it really sporting is. event, like bang for your buck because you don't miss anything if you go get concessions. If you got to use the bathroom, you never miss a thing. The last pay per view I watched it with Dom and his brother in law Stefano. We were watching it at his crib because it was Steph's birthday, and I told him I was like, "Dude, you ever been to an event?" He's like, "Nah, man, it's mad bread." You know, I was like, "Bro, first of all, you do well for yourself, <laughs> and second of all, pay the money for it. It's." It's going to be, you're going to be so upset at yourself that you didn't do this years and years ago. Yeah. Like, it's, it's amazing, man. It, it's funny, too, because I feel like there's mixed reviews about UFC. Because watching it on TV is also, like, spectacular. The commentary and then the, you're right there, you know? Right, right. But I also, like, I feel like I've never had a bad time watching it in person in terms of, like, even just, like, seeing the fight. I feel like I see everything, you know? Like, I'm not, like, missing something. Yeah, and there, you know? if there's certain scrambles that they're in the corner at the bottom and they're behind the pole, you can just look up at the exactly. jumbotron. That's exactly. what I do. Yeah, no, for sure. If there's something where I'm like, oh, how do you get hit? And then, you know, obviously they show the replay after. But it is what it is, man. It's just like sometimes in a sporting event, you might not catch everything in a replay. Agreed. Yo, before we get into some UFC stuff to preview the pay-per-view, I want to talk a little bit about the draft. Uh, got some stuff lined up later this week, like a full draft breakdown, but you're a Jets fan. I'm a Giants fan. 
very rare that both our teams have everybody saying nice things about after the draft. I mean, I think the Jets had three first-round picks. They traded back in to get the dude from Florida State, Johnson, and it was a guy that they had third on their big board behind the two guys that they had up there. So they got their three best players uh, on on their board, and it was all arguably, I mean, Sauce was definitely the best corner in the draft, and then Garrett Wilson was like one of the best receivers, and then he was one of the best pass rushers. It's like, you got to be hyped if you're a Jets fan, no? Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it, man. Like, there's going into that draft, there were so many holes that needed to be filled, and I feel like they, like, you drafted for need, which I like because, like, all those guys, like you said, were still, like, top guys, like, for best player available at that position too. So I love what they did in the draft. But I, I kind of, like, stop and think because talk about how Debo was available. No one really knows how available he was because he's still on the Niners. But would you have traded 10? Like, you drafted Garrett Wilson. He might be good. He might be great. Who knows? But would you have traded that now knowing, like, the pick and tra- and acquire Debo if you're the Jets? Or you think it would have taken more to get Debo? Because 10 for a wideout is kind of a... I mean, if if you're asking me personally, absolutely. I know you. You me, always I'm yo, giving trade up the dra- wideout. <laughs> I'm trading draft picks together. First of all, Debo's yeah. like 24, 25, right? And he does so much. And we've seen him be so productive. Like, dude was an all-pro last year, I'm pretty sure. I'm almost certain he was an all-pro. And they really changed the way I look at the wide receiver position because usually it would be like, oh, you got to get your guy 8 to 12 targets a game, right, if he's a premier receiver. Now it's like, nah, we're going to get him 8 to 12 touches. You saw in the playoffs, Cooper Cup was getting end of rounds. You saw Jamar Chase in a couple playoff games getting end of rounds. It's like, yo, they're our best players. Let's manufacture touches to them. We, I'm pretty sure we watched the Packers-Niners game together in the yeah, playoffs yeah. at the bar. Yeah. He single-handedly blew up. All of our friends' parlays that were on the Packers, including mine. He dominated that game. So if you're asking me, would I? Absolutely. Now, the kicker to this situation is if Wilson becomes something or if that draft pick becomes something, then you probably can have a star wide receiver for cheap for three, four years. Whereas, yeah, it sounds good getting Debo. Who wouldn't want him? But now you got to pay him north of $25 million. Right. So, but if you're the Jets in particular, you also got Zach Wilson on a rookie contract. So that's why taking all things into consideration, I'm definitely doing that if I'm the Jets. Now, if I'm the if I'm the Chiefs, and I was in that position, say the Chiefs had a bad year because Mahomes got hurt and they had the tenth pick, and they could trade Debo for the tenth pick. There you got to be like, yo, Kelsey makes 14, and Mahomes right. gonna make 45. They were just kind of in that situation with Hill. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like. So, I I would have done it based on the fact that Zach Wilson's on a rookie contract. Right. But I, I mean, I still like the pick regardless. I just thought that, like, once they made that pick for Wilson, kind of just crossed my mind, like, yo, you have a star wideout out there who probably could have been had for the 10th pick. Mm-hmm. And like you said, uh, Zach Wilson's on a rookie contract. That's when you you always talk about this. All I mean, you probably beat it into the ground, but how oh, yeah, much you yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. it, like – rookie contract quarterback and get everyone else and those are like your three to four year window to, to win the Super Bowl but uh also Sauce Gardner who we haven't talked about yet like they haven't had a shutdown quarterback cornerback since Revis mm-hmm. that was a position of need for 10 years now um they brought in DJ Reed I think it was so that's a nice one too especially like we just talked about Tyreek Hill is in the division now and Waddle 
them two are going to run crazy. Stephon Diggs just got yep, paid. Yep, yep. He's going to be with the Bills for a long time. So, yeah, man, like they that was a like a they needed a cornerback from somewhere, whether it was the draft, the free agency pool, which they got both and probably the top available in both, uh, you know, each, each yeah, yeah, like yeah. both in free agency and both in the draft. So I think the Jets are doing great in the offseason. But I still feel like there's a way to go. But I like the way the roster's coming together, all things considered. Yeah, it was also a big year for Joe Douglas. Like, we've been waiting for him to make these big moves, and he's acquired all these picks. Now let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. I know my, my team crushed it. I was so happy with how it went for the Giants. They get Thibodeau, who... Have you heard some of the reasons why he didn't go one? Isn't it like motor? That people question his no, motor? No, man. They were, so he came out. He's from L.A., and they asked him about, like, playing in New York. And that's why sometimes if you listen to, like, regional content or if you listen to talk radio in Denver, you'll get a better indication of what the Broncos are like, what the vibe is over there. So they had him on the Michael K show, ESPN Radio in New York. And they asked him about, like, you know, playing for a big market team, a big city. You're rumored to maybe be on the Jets or the Giants or playing in New York. And he's like, you know, I really want to grow my personal brand. And people jumped on that like he doesn't love football, which do you watch any content going on nowadays? All these athletes are creating their own content, their own the boardroom with KD uninterrupted with LeBron, the man in the arena with Brady. So all these legends are like, oh, he cares too much about his personal brand. He doesn't love football. They left out the part where he goes, one of my heroes and idols is Michael Strahan. And I've gotten to know him during this process. Strahan told him. Nothing beats winning in New York, but he's like, you better be ready to play. All these deals that I got off the field and now my career is flourishing, it's because I was balling and I'm a Hall of Famer and I won a Super Bowl with the Giants. So, yeah, you could be in a big market and you want to grow your brand. That's cool. But if you're not playing on the field, shit's clipped. Right. Yo, I, I, first thing, I didn't know he said that. So, when you, as you were saying that, first thing that came to mind was I kind of like it because... Yo, guys need to set themselves up for life after football, too. So what's wrong with – I get where some people are like, oh, he's not committed if you hear that. But, like, yeah, what's wrong with setting yourself up for life after football? Football for a DN or who knows how long. Like, those are, like, eight-year careers, you know? <laughs> like, you don't have much time playing football. So bro, when if he says something like that, like, that's not turning me off from drafting him. Especially someone like Kayvon Thibodeau, who's a, who was, for what, two years now been talked about yeah. being a number one pick? Like – Yo, to hear, like, are, just just to not get drafted off, like, a, like you said, like a talk radio, which, which, like, crazy enough, like, does hold weight when it comes to draft time. Like, something you say out of the blue or just not thinking, you know, 100% or, like, something you think wouldn't affect it. Yeah, he probably said that, like, thinking nothing of it. Now it's a storyline. Now it's on the front page. It's like, oh, we can't take that guy. He, who knows what his heart's like, where his, heart, where his head's at. Mm. It's like, bro, come on. It makes, it makes no sense to me. Because think about this, bro. Athletes are the only people who retire from their profession or, you know, their career comes to an end in one way or another. They stop playing at like 35, 36 years old, football even younger. I was going to say as generous. And they're considered old, right? Like when you're, when you're a 33-year-old athlete, for the most part, there are exceptions. It's like, ah, they're on the back nine of their career. You know, maybe they're like at the end of their apex in athletic prime. But it's like, bro, I'm 31. You know what I'm saying? Like I have, we, you know, you're you're 28. We have like so much more life to us and building a brand and a career, whatever it might be. Whereas these athletes, after that, it's like it's done. Right. 
And it's just crazy to me that they held that against them. It's one of the weirdest things in the draft process. Yeah. No, I agree. And, like, it's funny, too. Like, when you, I, like, look at the stuff, the content you do with Blue Wire mm-hmm. and, and the win, how you had a show with Will Blackman. Like, that guy set himself up to play. He's building his own personal brand through different things. Like, yeah, he was great at football, and he had a long career. But what's life like after football? And that's, like, that's kind of what, like, when I hear those things, like I said, that's what I think Kayvon Thibodeau's, like, when I hear that, that's what I think of. Like, yo, he wants to do – who knows what he has plans on doing, but he wants to do other shit to set himself up, not just play football. Yeah, and it blows my mind that people hold that against him or any athlete. Right. It's just – it's mind-boggling. Same thing. Like, I feel like more modern is like Max Crosby does content with you, doesn't mm-hmm. – like with Blue, Blue yeah. RSO. He's, yeah, he plays football. And then when, when football is down or, it's, you know, it's not – it's off-season or other shit, he has some downtime, he's setting himself up otherwise. So nothing wrong with that. Yeah, man. To drop in the draft is just bananas. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I'm happy about it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I remember watching some Oregon games because I'm a degenerate and it's a Saturday night game. It's 1030 Eastern time. Right? Always. Yo, at the bar. Pac-12, baby. <laughs> if I had to look and guess, like, what team I bet the most, it's like the Utah Utes because, like, they're at 10 o'clock and we'll go out Saturday night. Yo, you have a couple beers, they're like, oh, they're a three-point favorite? Why yeah. not? I'll have a couple beers, the game's just getting started. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, we're not leaving anytime soon, right? Exactly. <laughs> you to watch. Cheers. I'll leave after the game, win or lose. Like, I'll be happy. Like, yo, I'm out. It's one in the morning. I got to go home. Or they lost. I'm like, yo, I don't even want to be out here anymore. But, bro, people were hyping him up for a while. And I watched a couple of games. He's a game wrecker. And he just, like, he just stood out. He just stood out watching him. And I, I spent a lot of time watching him and Gardner. Those are the two guys that I watched a lot of. Gardner's a problem, too, that the Jets got. Apparently, the Giants loved Neil and Thibodeau. And I heard from some people that I know at the Giants that there was one, two on their board. And when the Texans took Singletary. Stingley, right? The Stingley, yeah. Singletary, sorry. Uh, I'm looking at the Bills depth chart right now because it was <laughs> something I want to mention. Um, when, they, when they took them. The Texans did. It kind of threw the whole draft for a loop. That was like the first big shock. And I know it was at number three. But then after that, it's like the Giants were, oh, we're going to get one of our guys for certain. Even if the Jets take, you know, if the Jets took Thibodeau because you needed a D end also. Right. We'll take Gardner. We'll end up with Neal. So it was a it was a good thing for the Giants, man. Yo, you could argue like before maybe going into this uh, college football season, like Neal was a possible number one pick. Thibodeau was a possible number mm-hmm. one pick. And you guys got him at what five and five and seven seven yeah, so yo both teams had had great drafts in my opinion but like uh, it's 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 so weird I, I don't know about you but being a Jets fan like people saying good things so I'm like yo I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of confused like I don't know if this is good and then it's all gonna go to shit because like it's the Jets or maybe Bro, listen, it's good and like maybe shit will come to fruition now this is the first Giants draft in like the last five years where people did not shit on the the first pick that they had. Think about it. It's been Tony. It's been uh, it's been the Daniel Jones class. Even Dexter Lawrence, who's still on the team. It's Bro, like, I remember going back to when I was in school, and I think you were at Syracuse for that draft when they took Justin Pugh. Yeah. And we're like, yo, what? I remember you were mad. You're like, yo, just like, what the fuck? Like, could have got him in the second. What Bro, are you doing? hold on. I got a better one for you. I'm at Radio City with Allen, and the Giants take Justin Pugh. And I go, oh, oh that's what fuck. it was. Okay. The people next to me. Are like, oh, what's wrong with Justin Pugh? You guys don't like him? I was like, I think we could have got him in the third round. And the guy goes, oh, that's his family right there. I was like, so I think we could have got him in the third <laughs> round. <laughs> but Justin Pugh has played himself. He's like a first played like a first round pick through his whole career. 
And yo, he so ended I, up. I want to be in a good pick. Like, yeah, but yo, the thing everyone was asking me, like, yo, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Who do you want? I was like, you know what I really want? Honestly, what I really want? I want them to sign a second contract with the team. <laughs> it's like, yo, the last like 15 years. I feel that. Only three players have signed a second contract with the Giants. And two of them they traded after. It was Odell and JPP. It's like, yo, you just never, you never re-sign. And then that's why Bro, shit like, falls apart. For the Jets, I think one of the last guys that signed a second contract and it wound up being horrible was Mo Wilkerson. Mm. Like, you <laughs> Like off the top of my head, Sheldon Richardson, like all these guys, like that they drafted were gone. Yeah, early. That's not, that's not how you want to build your team. The Jets too. Brees Hall too, second round pick, first running back off the board. Great talent, but I don't know. I just I scratched my head at that pick when you have Michael Carter and whatever. But then again, BPA. Who knows? Everyone else likes it. Seems to like it yeah. on social media and in the media. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, I really liked what Buffalo did in the second round too. They took James Cook. Dalvin Cook's brother. They need a running back up there that they rely on. He's pretty good, man. He was in some big spots. Played it in a tough ass conference right. in the SEC. He he'll be keep a keep an eye on him for fantasy purposes. Like he'll be the starting running back by week six. Yeah, it's crazy too because like Singletary. That's probably yeah. That's why that's why I said Singletary before because I have the Bills depth chart. Up I here. feel like he's such a like Singletary. You watch him play, he'll have like 180 yards from scrimmage, and then the next game he'll have 20. So I, I do like that pick too, because because like I feel like Devin Singletary could have been something up there. Mm-hmm. He finished the end of the season strong for them too. Hell yeah! But it's just like he just hasn't like put it together maybe enough for them to like yo someone we can rely on. And then also you said like they have their, their quarterback sign now long term, so you gotta start refreshing the mm-hmm. window on these contracts for skill players. Yeah, man. Another pick that I really liked, and we'll end with this. We'll get more draft stuff later this week. Is Chargers because I gotta. Boner for the charges this year, man. It's I'm waiting for the schedule. I was going to ask you if you put your future in. No, I always wait for the schedule. Okay. And then from there, I'll do it. It's very rare where a situation like the Rams last year was the earliest I ever made a futures bet. Was it before the schedule? Yeah. It was like before the – once they got Stafford. So schedule matters to you because – I forgot for how long. I, but we've known the opponents. You know the opponents. You just don't know when you're playing them. So that, that's, that really matters that much to you that you would wait to put a future in? Yeah, because – say all right, let's use the charges as an example, right? Right now they're 16-1 to 1, consensus across all the sports books. Say we get the charges schedule and their first four games are at Green Bay, home Chiefs, at Denver, at Vegas – Three division opponents and a bar fight in Lambeau. What happens if they're one and three after four weeks? And then all of a sudden I could get them at 30 to one. And then the rest of the way, it's like, ah, they got the Jets. They got the Jaguars. They got the Texans. It's like, all right, win. Everyone does it, right? Win, loss, win, win, win. Of course. Ah, 50-50. So to me, I need to see the schedule. And then from there, I see, all right, yo, the Bengals are going to have a rough start. Oh, my God. Look at the. The Commanders are 70 to 1, but their first eight games, they should be 7 and 1. This is crazy. This is the highest that I could get them. Right. So anytime I put my futures, now MVP and player props, that's different. Like MVP, I probably should have made a bet already because my guy's odds, Justin Herbert, went from 20 to 1. He's 12 to 1 now. But as far as like actually winning, I got to see the schedule first. Does schedule change the line ever? Um,. I haven't noticed it change yeah. the line ever. What I've seen happen is maybe a win total would move okay. in one way really? or another. Yeah, but for the most part, 
Because then you factor in like teams, um, teams like motivation. Okay, I was just saying too, like like you said before about travel or who knows what, yeah. whatnot. Or it's like certain spots. Yo, the Chargers, man, that's interesting because I feel like there's how you said you mark wins and losses. Like I feel like every game when you see in the AFC West, you have to write fifty fifty. It's gonna be a that's easily bath. the best division. Of football. Allen every time he's on the pod is like, yo, we need those to be on all pr- all primetime games. Is yo hundred percent, hundred percent AFC West matchups. It's like, yo, Derek Carr might be the fourth best quarterback, the greatest fourth best quarterback <laughs> in a division ever. Yo, it's the worst quarterback in the division, but he's nice. Yeah, he's, he's like a top 12 quarterback. <laughs> it's not an insult, yo. He's yeah, nice. it's just how stacked that division is. But, uh, yeah, man, it was uh, it, it was fun seeing the draft. I like some of the stuff that they did with, like, the draft picks uh, later on where they had people come up and announce it. Dustin Poirier announced this. Yeah, thing. yeah. That was pretty cool. They had comedians yeah, and stuff. Doctor also. Disrespect from Twitch. Yeah. I liked, with it's the, crazy. With the, Niners. the gaming community. Is that right? got to be me next, bro. I got to yeah. be for the Giants. <laughs> That's Start crying cool. up there for the seventh round. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be like a kicker too. To yeah, see that. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, in Vegas too, which is cool. Was it the second time they've done it there? Yeah, because yeah. when they did it the first time, I think it was last year they did it, but it was like all the COVID restrictions still. Was I'm it? Right? Sure. Yeah, they did it in Cleveland, I think, recently. I don't know if that was maybe that. That's what it was. I think that yeah. And then <laughs> twenty twenty was in the basement, baby. <laughs> Goodell's basement. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, I think, if I remember correctly, I think it was supposed to be in Vegas. The Maybe that year. was it, yeah, yeah. And then it went, like, all remote. And then last year might have been in Cleveland. I think it was in Cleveland. As I pull it up right now. Yeah, it was in Cleveland last year, you're right. But, yeah, man, it's, for the Jets, too, like, just circling back, it's it's always, like, the draft, I think, of whatever, like, I, I don't really watch the draft that much in terms of, like, tuning into it. I like, oh, the Jets are on the clock. In 10 minutes, I'll put the draft on now, see the pick before, and then see our pick. Mm. But the Jets had two picks, and then we're talking about trading up, which they wound up doing. So I like kind of watched the draft for the first time in a while because I was like, yo, I don't know when they're going to move up. They have so many picks where they can move up. They can move back. Who knows what they're going to do? And they pick early and twice. So I was like, yo, I'm going to tune in from pick one to like the, the Giants pick twice in the first Then They kept showing uh, the New York, New York. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good. Uh like good play on words or whatever you want to call it, but like just <laughs> showing the hotel and like yo, the Jets and Giants pick four to the next six picks. That's unfortunately, but it was still funny. They're tied for the least good amount content. of wins in uh, yo. That was NFL wild. They put that up the last five years. How crazy is that, bro? bro? That's so sad. Like the state of football is is hard. Like the state of sports is kind of up in the air. But then, like you see the the start to the season for the Mets and Yankees, I'm like yo, fine. Like New York, Dude, a big market on. is talked about. Yo. Everyone knows I'm not the biggest baseball guy. The Mets were playing Sunday night baseball last night against the Phillies. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have the game on because I was watching something on ESPN before and then it just like played over. Bro, that that mic'd up shit they had on Lindor was fucking amazing. Yeah. You have to, bro. Like baseball, there's no ways to like be like up like to have like a relationship with the players, I feel like. So like doing stuff like that, like you gotta make the players connected more to the fans than you know, to like like do something. Like cause baseball I'm a diehard baseball fan, but it, they're losing a lot of young fans and like the demographic for the ages. It's more like middle-aged people and older people. So it's like you got to do something where you can connect to these guys or you could hear these guys talking something. And that's that I think is a good step. They've had guys on 
I remember, I forgot, when the Yankees played the Red Sox, they had Kike Hernandez on, and he, like, got the ball hit to him, like, three straight times. She's like, yo. That's <laughs> wild, bro. Lindor yesterday, he he had a ground ball hit to him. That play. He I saw that. Play. That was cool, yeah. Demon of Bobby! Yeah. He's like, yo, and shit is going crazy. But, yeah. yo, that was dope, son. I couldn't believe it. I had saw that they did it, like, years ago in, like, a preseason game. Like, Anthony Rizzo was still on the Cubs, and he was mic'd up, and he was laughing with the guys in the booth. And... I was like, oh, shit, this is pretty interesting, man. And yeah. then I saw them do that. Now, is this something they usually do? or I think it's new, like, from last year. Because I remember there was a, also one with Rizzo and uh, Freddie Freeman. They were in a rundown. He's like, Freddie, get back here. <laughs> Yo, that's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, mad funny. Damn. And, like, it went viral. Cool. But, yeah, it's it's cool, man. Like, football, they have that all the time. where they right. always, They're always checking in, like, during the game. Sam Darnold, infamous. I'm seeing ghosts out there. Yeah. But, yeah, like, you got to mic guys up. Do something. You got to stay, like relevant with content bro even like i feel like i mean you say when i talk to you sometimes like yo content's like just always evolving like there's always yeah man. some next level shit to do and like the mic'd up shit has been around for a while and now baseball is just catching up so i mean better late than never but you got to stay stay with the times man because content is always like it's top dog now everyone's on the internet everyone's on social media everyone wants 15 second clips they don't want to watch a three-hour baseball game they want to see what you said the double play and him going crazy or shouting Dude, I used to love baseball tonight. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was my favorite. No lie. Because baseball highlights are dope. Like a shot in the gap and a guy makes a crazy catch. It's web like, gems. Yeah, 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 the web gems were dope. Like all that shit was fire. So easy to consume. That's what you need to make content more consumable for the for the customer. Yo, that's why the NBA's blowing up the last couple of years. Like even more so. Obviously, it's a star-driven league, so I get that. But, you know, you got like the house of highlights in the NFL. Yeah. It's like the check down got picked up by the NFL. It's... You're bro, looking at all these plays. How much do these pages like get bought? Like millions of yeah, dollars, bro. It's crazy. Bro, it's so wild. But I was I wanted to ask you about that because I wasn't sure if that was something that like really goes on with the with the players being mic'd up. Yeah, yeah. Last year I think it was like the first year they started doing it every Sunday night. Last last thing on the draft, because I just remembered it now. The number one pick was Trayvon Walker. Jaguars back to back years have the number one pick. Yo, to me, he didn't even stand out on Georgia. I watched a lot of Georgia games last year because they were, like, the number one team in the country. They play in the national championship game. They're always on, like, ABC. Yeah, they always had, like, America's Game of the Week and shit. But it's, like, kind of rolling the dice on a guy like that. I know no one wanted to trade up for the number one pick. This was, like, the wackest year to have the number one pick because it wasn't any quarterback, really. Like, when did we see a quarterback go in the 20s, pick it? And, like, that was even, like, people are questioning that. I know he wears gloves when he throws. He, he like that shit, like Teddy, Teddy two gloves. Yeah, yeah, that's my guy. But if you were the Jaguars, don't you feel like you should have taken an offensive lineman, bro? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Especially the situation there with like yeah. Trevor Lawrence. They were, I mean that that organization like couldn't have been a bigger disaster for one year. And it's like you gotta. I feel like going into this year, you gotta treat Trevor Lawrence like he's a rookie again. Mm-hmm. And you could have bought it, you know, you bought Peterson in, head coach, you could have surrounded him with an old lineman right off the rip, right off the bat, and you go defense. So And especially it's kinda of confusing. A to defender me. who like the consensus was I don't want to say it was an Anthony Bennett pick. Remember when Anthony oh, Bennett yeah. got picked and they're like, wait, wait, what? I remember yeah. Jay Billis was like, I wasn't prepared for this one. Like literally just shitting on the pick when it happened. And they were right. The dude was out the league after like two and a half seasons, if right. that. It wasn't to this extent, but people were like, all right, we saw the betting odds moving. We saw people hyping it up, and then it was like, damn, son, that's just so risky, bro. 
Yo, with the number one pick, you have to have a short thing. With your like first round pick, you kind of say that. Yeah. But number one, like you got to hit a grand slam. I don't know if that's a grand slam. Oh, Lyman, like, bro, if they would have traded back, I don't know if they had any. They probably didn't have any because like it was a weak draft mm-hmm. to get up to number one. But if they would have taken any of the old Lyman, I would have been like, all right, like it's not a sexy pick, but it's much needed if you want to keep Trevor Lawrence around for 15, 20 years. Like, you need someone to keep him upright. I was talking to one of my friends who does an SEC podcast over at Blue Wire. And he was like, yo, Trayvon Walker is going to need to learn to rush the passer. Because in Georgia, they had, like, all these exotic blitzes. And a lot of times, it was like that dude, Jordan Davis, who was, like, he's, like, 6'8", 380. Yo, like massive that, that human being. Ma- yeah. Coming after you for the next five, six years. <laughs> yeah, put me to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And A.J. Brown, too, right? Oh, what about yeah. that one? Um, and they were talking about the dude that the Packers took also from Georgia. It's like, he wasn't even the best defender of the bunch. And he goes one, and I'm like, hey, you know, if you, I have the number one pick, you know what I don't want to hear when I take a pass rusher? That he needs to learn how to rush the pass rusher. <laughs> like, that to me is like, yo, bro, what? Yeah, yeah. So it's, if you're the Jaguars, man, that's a lot of pressure on you, bro. Agreed, man. Like, they, it's just like Trevor Lawrence. Like, he's a generational talent, and he caught so much flack last year because of the situation and, like, his talent that was surrounding him. Like you could have helped him right right away. Year two started off right, keep him upright. But nah, you went D defense. Head head scratching pick. Man, I miss chopping it up with you on here. We could go on and on, but uh, I paid you to come on for this one. As he looks up, <laughs> yeah, beer Saturday. Yeah, after the rough weekend at the book. Yo, we were talking about this. As we were watching the fights on Saturday, and still shout out to our guy Jerry, man. Even though he took the L, that's still our guy, and he'll bounce back. He always 100%. does. Um, what's? How do you feel about MMA betting? Because I did mention this. To yeah, you. you you turned to me at one point. And you're like, "Yo, do you feel like it's easy to bet on it?" I didn't say that. I did say that, but then I I I know what you meant. Like, back in on context it. of all the sports, where would you rank it? I think it's the easiest. To pick a winner. Now, where I get burnt is I'm never going to lay minus five, 600 on someone. I like finding props. And oftentimes, that's where it gets difficult. Like, all right, this guy's a minus 600 favorite, but he's plus 220 to win by submission. Right. He's plus 800 to win by knockout because he's not a knockout guy. That's how I like betting MMA. I could take, I could pick three winners, parlay them, and get a minus 130 payout. Still hard to hit. Still very hard to hit, and it's the fight game, and I get that. But I think across all sports, just to pick a winner, I would say that's probably the easiest for me. Yeah, I think so too. I only said that because that's how I feel. Like sometimes just like implied probability, right? So if someone's like minus 180 or 190 or even like so – lay, I've laid like 320 on like guys, and I'll be like, yo, I really think they're like that much better, and – they say like three hundred is like you should win in the first round. I mean, even in any aspect of game, covering your price, like right. So minus three hundred, you should take them out with ease. It shouldn't even be a fight. Blah blah blah. But yeah, I, I asked you that because I felt that same way. Like I, I mean, I have the most success when I'm gambling, gambling MMA, and I kind of I'm kind of shitty in NFL, in football, college, whatever, baseball. Like I'm kind of whatever, but MMA, like I feel like I do much better than any other sport and i think 
I mentioned to you, I was like, yo, it's like you're you're not relying on a team. You're not relying like if you bet a, a football game or a basketball game and like one guy gets hurt, you're like, oh fuck, like my chances of either increased dramatically or decreased dramatically. Whereas in, in the fight game, you're like, it's just that one guy you're relying on. He could get injured, sure. Like you said, we talked about Mike Chandler when he fought Brent Primus. Yeah, we were at that. Broke his leg. Yeah, Mike Chandler's fighting this weekend too. Mm-hmm. That's why I mentioned that. Look at you, professional. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, man. Like I just feel like it's easier to get a read of like how something can go in MMA for me anyway, because I watch MMA. I don't know about like boxing or anything, but MMA. I feel like I have the strongest feel for when it comes to betting. Yeah. Not, that, not that I'm great or anything. I'm not going to sit no, here and say no, that. No, I totally agree with you. But I just I w- think it's it's easier to have reads or pick pick something out. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you a thousand percent, man. I don't think that we're saying that it's easy to bet on. We're saying it might be one of the easier ones for us also because of how well we know it. The hardest one to bet on is football. It's also the hardest handicapped because that's the most popular sport. So the sports books are not giving you no, there's no like easy games. There's no. Except the Dallas Cowboys wildcard weekend, right? (laughs) You told me that since week 15. I was like, I'm in, I'm in. That was the first round bounce dance. OD. We was doing that. Yo, this card, overall, how do you feel about it? Um, Like my hype isn't that high. I feel like it's it's a different card in terms of like there's so many veterans on it, which is cool, but like. I feel like the matchups that matter, there, there aren't many of them. I'm excited. I'm always excited for Tony Ferg. That's my guy. You know that. I always message Dylan. I'm like, yo, best lightweight in the world still. <laughs> he gets he's like, yo, this guy's going to fight in like two years. <laughs> and he's been dominated for like nine straight rounds. What are you talking about? Oh, yo, chill out. He would be Khabib back in the day. <laughs> but um, there's like legends on here like Shogun. You got Cerrone, Lauzon. That's a great fight, Joe Lauzon. That's um, a loser leaves town match, right? It has to be. It has to be. Lauzon already left town. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming back. We saw him get beat up pretty bad in Brooklyn 223 when he fought Gritzmacher. That's right. And Gritzmacher was like a heavy dog. I had bet Gritzmacher that night, I remember. But, um, but yeah, that was like he fought after that. He fought uh, JSP, Jonathan Pierce. But he only has two fights since Brooklyn. That was 223. That was what? He Eight, had retired. 18? Yeah, yeah he, retired. he had retired a little bit, too. Yeah, so. And and Cowboy is on, like, a seven-fight losing streak. Yeah. He had I, gotten hot, and then it's been bad, man. I hate when you see guys like Cowboy, dude. Damn, yo, it really is seven. Five. Wow. Oh, no. Nah, he, he fought grappling. Oh. He had a no contest against the – oh, I think he won that Nico Price fight, right? But it got overturned. Or Nico Price might – Yeah. Yeah, no yeah Price tested positive for marijuana. So it was he lost to Tony, he lost to Gaethje, he lost to Connor, he lost to Pettis. The overturn against Price. All top flight guys, by the way. Like these yeah, are no yeah, slouches. Yeah, yeah. He won a submission underground over RDA. Then he lost to Moreno. Morono. Morono. Yeah, man. It's like Oh, it's not seven in a row, it's just some grappling in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's five in a row if we're going by fights. But dude, it's it gets sad, man, when you see guys like him who like were you know Yo, he, he I... was the original fan favorite, bro. Oh, hell yeah. Any time, any place would fight four or five times a year. Bro, I think I, I've said this probably several times on the podcast, but it was mad cool hanging out with him when, when we went to see I think Jonathan Webb fought and like Sean Brady was there hanging out at Borgata. And he was hanging out because CFFC and Webb used to train at the ranch, mm. so they were they were good buddies. And Cerrone came to AC to watch him fight. 
So that was pretty cool. Wasn't that your DraftKings DFS picture or was it Eric's? Eric's. It was Eric's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric has a picture of him at the pool. But we were hanging out. He was mad cool. He's like, yo, I can only drink Budweiser because they sponsor me. Let's go. I was like, yo, that's dope. Man, I just drink for free, but you only got to drink one beer. I would oh, do that shit. Sign man. me up. Sign me up. Sponsors out Bro, there, Budweiser. Swing them. Budweiser pays him probably super good. But um, but yeah, I just I've always, like I'll always tune in for a cowboy fight. My favorite memory is him beating Alex Hernandez in Brooklyn on the first ESPN card when Hernandez was talking all that shit. He got fucking switch kicked, put out, dropped, and then I think ground and pounded to finish yep. him off. That shit was crazy. Everyone was going crazy because the way Hernandez disrespected him that mm-hmm. whole week leading up to that fight. So, bro, I love cowboy. I'll, I'll never miss a cowboy fight. Yeah, man. It's just I just hate when you see like they're they're talking about Nick Diaz coming back. It's like I don't want to see that, bro. I know, I know. He was as like the human as a human being. You don't want to see, yeah, dude. And also like you don't want to. You never want to be. I mean, I would never want to be an athlete that like completely falls off, and I'm still just doing it to chase a check. But it's also like so hard, man. Like we've never been pro athletes, so like that's true. Just like take that away from you, like yo, you can't compete. But you don't feel like the honor of being once. Like, that's I think there is, but there's also like, bro, you never lose that. Like, I mean, you you still play rec football on Sundays. Like, you right. still have there's some sort of competitive juices, and you were like, how yeah. long? How long? You bro, perfect example. You you sat out. You didn't play rec football for whatever reason for four years, and you came back. It's like you still want to play, or you just want to compete. Like these guys probably still want to compete. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out here, bro. Yeah, no, nah, but they, you're right. They don't man. love it. Yeah, so they, they don't, don't love, love it. it. Yeah. They'll find out. Mm-hmm. Nah, but yeah, but same thing, no? To a different extent, like, because you're playing rec football, but these guys are competing professionally, you know? No, nah, I know. I I hear what you're saying, and I'm, I might have been wrong by saying that, but where I was hinting at is, like, Habib, right? Leaves still could be, still would be champion probably, still has prime years left, as opposed to, a guy like Nick Diaz took all that time off, comes back, looks awful against Robbie Lawler. Like, even he was doing his Nick Diaz shit, but it was like, it looked like he was sparring. Like, those were sparring. That was a sparring match in there. Yeah. And then just to go out like that, because then it kind of tarnishes your legacy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, to an extent, I agree. That's why I like never... his legacy is his legacy. Like yeah. me seeing him come back now, it's like it's not going to change anything because I'm not expecting anything from him. But that's true. Also, where your expectations. I get are. what you're saying though that about like your honor or like your your career, where like you want to go out. What fight you want to start with, man? Let's start with my girl Rose, yo, because that was that's how she. The gross. We talked about Rose um, on a pod once, and then she ended up following me. Yeah, Shouts to boss. I missed their fight. When you missed their fight. This is a rematch. Them two fought before. For the inaugural strap mm-hmm. on Ultimate Fighter, which is also coming back this week, which I'm hyped for. And you have been telling me all this time that Carla's going to win this fight. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I've bet on Carla like her last four or five fights. Like this whole win streak, she's been pick them or, or close to it. Granted, she has gotten some split decisions her way, which are fortunate. But she's like, she's just, you know what she's going to do. She's going to come out and wrestle. And that's like, I think for me, wrestling is like the top martial art when it comes to mixed martial arts. So mm. she's an elite wrestler. She's going to have to do that to beat Rose. The thing is, like, can she get close enough to Rose? Like, Rose could probably just keep her at range and pick her apart. So I think it's going to be tough for Carla to get her down. But over five rounds, man, I think I think Carla could win like 3-2. I mean, last fight, she looked as great as she ever has against Yan Jaonan, where she crucifixed her and TKO'd her. 
I was like, yo, she doesn't finish. Oh, nobody, Carla. And then she put she put out Yan Jianan, which is like a high level fighter, mm-hmm. you know, in strawweight. We saw her fight in uh, Vegas. Yeah, against Marina. So yeah, man. I and Rose, like, dude, Rose could. If Rose wins this fight, like, do you retire? Wow. She's she's mad, yeah. I <laughs> talk about that, but she's beat Joanna twice, and Joanna just got rebooked against Wei Lee. She's beat Wei Lee twice. She's beat. Who else? Is, she'll beat Carla. She's born in 92. Yeah. So that makes her 20. No, makes her 30. But who does she need to beat at strawweight anymore? Who's there left for She's her? She's technically still 29. She hasn't made 30 yet. Like her birthday's at the end of the month, June. Wow, she, man. That's... She beat Andrade to get her belt back. Yeah. Beat Wei Li, Joanna, Marina, beat maybe? Tisha Torres. Yeah, maybe Marina. But. Do Marina you need Rodriguez. that fight? You know, <laughs> it's like I think she took this fight because she lost to Carla early in the career, so to and get she it wants back. to get it back. Man, I didn't even think about that because she does think, seem like someone that's there. There's always been like those rumors where well, I mean, she stepped away when she lost her title to Andrade when she got slammed, and she was like, "I'm happy I lost." She was yeah, and feeling a lot of pressure, feeling a lot of pressure. She's been adamant about mental health stuff, and. I don't know, man. I never thought of that. That's an interesting. Yeah, I think this could be her last fight. Legit. Wow. She's eleven and four. If she gets it back, if she loses, I don't know. Maybe she'll come back. Loses to Carla. She drops the title. Damn, she beat. She'll be zero and two against Carla. Hmm. But it's like I don't. I just don't see anything left for her. Yeah, that's interesting, man. You know, the thing about Rose that's really cool is I. I feel like she's so technical in her striking. Like, this card has two fighters that I love watching. They're not, I mean, Rose is one of my favorite fighters. Oliveira is not one of my favorite fighters, but I love watching them because we were talking about it the other day at football, how with Josh, if you were to show an instructional DVD on, like, how to throw proper strikes, I feel like you would show Charles Oliveira. And he's this all-world jiu-jitsu guy, but he's just, like, the, the check left hook on Chandler that dropped him. It didn't even look like it was like kind of just like a quick Everything's little, tight. Everything's tight, clean, in the pocket. Just so technical, man. He's amazing to watch. And then on the flip side, you got Gaethje. He was a psychopath when he <laughs> fights. But hold off on that. We'll get back to, to, to that main event in just a second. But I think Rose just keeps her at bay, cruises to a decision. Yo, if Rose wins, it's probably going to be like 5-0. I've heard it's like point fighting the whole time. It's like keeping her on the outside and just like piece, picking her apart. Yeah, I, I can 100% see that happening. And if Carla wins, it's going to have to be a grind. Like, you're going to have to shoot multiple takedowns, like multiple entries. Like, if you get stuffed, you got to keep going back to yeah. it, you know? Because, like, I, I don't see – she's not going to win on the feet. And that's, like, an obvious thing to say. Like, you don't have to watch MMA to know yeah, that. Yeah, this is a wrestler versus striker. Yeah, 100%. Like, one-on-one kind of matchup. Yeah, man, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I don't see it the way you do. I think Rose beats her. Do you have the odds? The odds, yeah. Well, I'm using MMA odds, uh, best fight odds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Rose is like a two to one favorite. Yeah, she's minus two hundred consensus. Carla is plus one seventy consensus. This I feel like is that's about right. Reference to uh, there's like t- fifteen books on this thing or twelve books on this thing. It's a but great I, website for uh, getting odds for MMA fights. It's it's great to be able to shop too. That's, that's yeah. That's why I love it. I'm like, yo, I want to get bet something. Like, where should I look first? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like buying anything. Exactly. Find the best number. 
I'm going Rose though, man, and I think rather comfortably too. Like you said, it's it's either gonna be a a thirty uh, a forty seven forty six. 48-47. Carla, or it's going to be... Yeah, 50, I'm going to take 40. Carla. I think she's going to be, like, super persistent with... Like I said, if she gets stuff, I think she's going to keep coming back. I'm going to go Rose. But you got me thinking, man. You rattled me on this one by Yo, we could bet that, a beer straight up. Yeah? I'll, ta- I'll bet a beer on that. Yo, remember what I told you? Like, yo, I'll go heads up with you on that fight. You're like, no, nah, I'm going to take the odds. Like, why would I go? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 dude. I forgot like, yo, I'd rather just bet it at the book oh, if yeah. we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a beer. But this one, I'll do a beer. Yeah, we'll, we'll be out watching it, yeah, hanging for out. for sure. Let's do it, and we'll post about it when it when it goes my way. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> what other uh, f- fights are you looking forward to? Well, we got Tony, your boy Tony, against Chandler. Tony, another one on a losing streak, but also has... Who's who's? It's Gaethje, it's Dariush, it's Oliveira, who's now the champ. Dariush has gotten smoked by Dariush and Oliveira, though. Since, yeah. And Gaethje, kind of. He had that one moment in what, the third or the second? Second round where he dropped him with that uppercut. Right at the Textbook bell. uppercut. But then after that, he's been just. It was clipped. He got beat down, bro. Like, yo, fights like that change your. I mean, he's been in wars before that, but, bro, he got bad he was out on his feet like you know yeah. like waving no well there was that famous no picture mas. of everyone who has fought tony ferguson and it's like all their faces are all cut up and yeah. Stuff. <laughs> yeah yeah but now he's he's that guy that's getting worked you think he got anything left yo chandler bro that's, that's as tough as it gets too like that's nah. four to one favorite chandler yeah, minus 400 i don't disagree tony plus 300 I just I just love Tony Ferguson, bro. He's a legend. He's been around forever too. And like he did such crazy things and it's it's still wild that he never got an undisputed title shot, no? Yeah. What do you win? Twelve in a row or thirteen in a row? How many times did that Khabib fight book that fell through? Two twenty three, we just talked about it. How was that that was supposed to be Khabib Ferg? Dude, when I went and to April Vegas, Fool's Day, he trips over a wire. Yeah, and I remember Ariel Hawani tweeted out, guys, I'm not kidding. Like, this really happened. Because it happened on April 1st. Because of the way he did it. They're like, yo, he just he was doing an interview and no, he but fell. It, yeah, but it was also April 1st. And I he's know. like, yo, is it an April Fool's joke? And he's like, no, this is. Because you can't make that shit up. Yeah. Like, yo, how many times? Dude, I was even in Vegas for 248 out of Sonia Romero. And they had the press conference there when he was holding the baseball. And he was like, snapjitsu.com. Yeah, I need some guy. sparring partners. <laughs> Champ shit only. Yo, he don't train with nobody. He trains like out of his garage. He That's might it, have like man. a team of four or five. He goes to 10 Planet for the Jits. Yeah, yeah. He's Eddie Bravo guy. Yeah. But he still has like people come to him. Yeah. Like you don't really Yo, train what do you, in the gym. What do you make of Chandler so far in the UFC? He's I mean, also had tough fights. So it's not like he's fighting cans. But So you know how we opened up with like Kayvon Thibodeau about how he wants to like do other things for himself or like yeah. build his brand. Has anyone built their brand better than Michael Chandler since he's come to the UFC? Yeah. Like, bro, he won in, what, a couple minutes against uh, Dan Hooker in his debut and cut that crazy promo. And, it, like, he's hit the ground running since. Dropped the, title ch- shot. dropped the champion. Mm-hmm. Could have, like, came that close to becoming undisputed champion and then got finished because he cast himself. But, and then the Michael Chan and the Justin Gaethje won MSG. Like, yo, those are your first three fights in, in UFC. You're a legend. Like, he's all his fights are must watch. Yeah. So, and this is no different. Like, Ferg brings it too. So this is like the fight. This is like the people's main event for yeah. sure, hundred percent. Nah, I would agree with you on that, man. But it's even more so like the titles on the line in the same division, mm-hmm. the same night. But I'm more interested in, in uh, Gaethje. I mean uh, Chandler Ferg, just in terms of like violence. 
Yeah. And Gaethje brings violence. So I'm not like sleeping yeah. on that fight but either. What do you think happens to, to Tony or Chandler after this? Like, you know, Tony, if he loses this, that's four in a row he's lost. Chandler loses this, that's three in a row that he's lost. Yeah. It's like, is the luster still there or the cachet of them being these big names? Yeah. Eventually, you got to still win, man. Right. No, agreed. You do have to still win. But Michael, I think Michael Chandler's going to win this fight. And I think Tony's like not going to get another fight offer from the UFC. Wow. Like, you, I mean, yeah. at what point do you cut ties? You just, there's nothing left for Ferk to do. He's lost. He's getting beaten by the top guys. Like, do you want to stay and be a gatekeeper to the top 15? It's such like, it's it's a great conversation like that we could probably sit here and talk about all night. Because you, like you talked about Nick, honor, Nick Diaz. Mm. Do, you, do you want to go out honorably and like on top? Or do you want to still compete? Like, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to figure that out. And if he is gonna, if Ferg is gonna still compete, if he loses, like what's left? Like you're gonna be a top fifteen gatekeeper. Yeah, man. And Chandler, like I don't think Chandler loses anything with a loss. Because he, <laughs> you don't think they'll start saying that he's overrated coming over nah, from Bellator, bro? He just had man. fight of the year. Yeah. And like had his moments too in that fight where like he had Gaethje backing up. Guy, he got dropped and came back. Like he had that suplex, the German. That wound up being nothing, but it was still like a moment. Mad you know? cool, yeah, mad hell cool. yeah. So, nah, bro. Michael Chandler's good for for I think a little while because, like I said, he built built his name up and his his brand outside inside UFC, but also like outside UFC as like someone that you hear Michael Chandler. Like, well, for the longest he time, was he was he was the best best fighter in the world that wasn't in the UFC. Yeah, yeah, Bellator world champion. And then he comes over, and like you said, he just has such an amazing first impression. Right. Yeah. So sleeps hooker and then has that moment against Oliveira and then fight of the year. Bro, that might be more than fight of the year. That could be like fight of who knows what. But you'll see that fight on, on like highlight reels for years to come. Bro, it's crazy watching that live. I just remember everyone being amazing. on their feet from the beginning. Like yeah, oh. uh, the first minute in, they were like. It know, opened the fucking pay-per-view card, bro. How yeah. crazy is that? Yeah. But they did that because of uh, Trevor Whitman. I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, regardless. Yeah. So wild, dude. Chandler, though? Yeah, yeah. I want to pick Ferg so bad. I Hart guess... wants Ferg, but if you're asking me to put a ticket into the window, it's easily Chandler. Man, I'm with you. I think it's Chandler for sure. I I don't want him to. It's weird because I don't want Tony Ferguson to get finished, but I also don't want him to get dominated like... Like yeah, a 30, 26. Or, yeah, 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 you know, like, man, I remember Gaethje hit him with that jab. And then he did that, like. That's what I'm saying, like, no then, more. Or whatever. Yeah, and Herb Dean just, like, stepped in. You have to. Yeah, at that point. He's just out on his feet, bro. That was crazy with Gaethje. But I'm going to go with Chandler also. Do you like the, I love the Randy Brown Chaos Williams fight. That's going to be a, a fun fight for fans. Yeah, hell like yeah. If you want to see Dude, Chaos, Chaos Williams, and, I think was down 2-0 to Baeza. Yeah. I bet Baeza and he fucking put him to sleep. Mm -hmm. Like off balance too. It was like, I think he was going backwards. Slept him. Yeah, that fight's probably like minus 400 to finish early. Yeah, probably. Say. That's a good one too. Uh, Brandon Roy Val. On prelim, that's a guy who I like fighting, uh, like watching fight. Is that He's, your favorite uh, fighter nickname? Raw Dog Roy Raw Val? Raw Dog Roy Val, baby. <laughs> Yo, I remember his debut. I took him on, on DFS, and he was like 7,200. And he got a, I think it was a decision, uh, a finish he got. Yeah. He got a sub. I know one of his crazier fights was against Kai Car France when uh, 
in Abu Dhabi, bro. If I was, I was in Wyoming for that, and that, that it shit was, was Tim Elliott. Nuts. He beat he beat he beat Tim Elliott. Dude, by, he's, uh, he's fought show. like a, a monster schedule. Yeah, and then he fought Cara France. Then beat he him, fought, right? Yeah, he beet him. Yeah, gu- uh, guillotine choke. Remember that fight was nuts. The then transitions were crazy. In that he fight. lost to Moreno because of shoulder injury. Right. And then he lost to Pantoja, who's like in the mix for a title shot. Yeah. And he's coming off a win against uh, Bondurin. Yeah. That was a close-ass fight. It was. Yeah, it was a split decision. Um, Let's get to the main event, man. Because this is what is going to get people intrigued in the whole card. It's the headliner, Gaethje Oliveira. Oliveira, still disrespected? I definitely think so, because anytime anyone mentions his winning streak, they mention his strength of schedule. <laughs> like, who's on there? Uh, damn, I have to go look off the top of my head. But, like, Tamer's on there. Um, I got go. you right now. Yeah, so, he he comes off a loss to Paul Felder by ground and pound. That was right? a great fight. He had Paul Felder in a deep-ass armbar, I think it was. And then he beats Clay Guida, Giagos, Jim Miller, Tamer. Nick Lentz, our boy Jared, Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson, Chandler, Poirier. Now, you can say the strength of schedule, but after, like, Kevin Lee, and at the, remember Kevin Lee at the time, this is this is some names on here, bro. Bro, forget the strength of schedule. Like, he's putting these dudes away. There's not one decision there. If that, How is that not, like, talked about more than the strength of schedule? That's yeah. where I feel like he gets disrespected. And Kevin Lee, like you said, was coming off that Gillespie head knockout, which was knockout of the year, arguably, at MSG. Holy shit. He's really on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, Ferg, eight, he went to the decision where he was like fucking about to nine snap his Nine of his arm. ten wins are inside the distance. And you could argue the Ferg one should have been stopped with yeah. that arm bar where he had oh, that shit behind God. his head. Dude, he tucked it underneath his armpit. You know how deadly that is? <laughs> so nasty. If you do that to someone when you're drilling or in, uh, in rolling at the gym, if someone was to get that right to now, me, I'd be like, flexing, hey, man, like, did I, like, have sex with your girlfriend and you're doing bro. this to me? Like, why are you so angry at me? That's like, yo, fuck this guy when you do that one. That That's no joke. But, yeah, yo, I don't the, – the strength of schedule shit, there's it, – it's 50-50 to me when it comes to discussing it. Like, sometimes I think you could use that in a defense – but then also when you look at his last three fights. I just like, look what he's done to his schedule, though. He's putting everyone away. Yeah. It's not like he's going to close decisions with these yeah, guys. Yeah, no split decisions. Yeah, yeah no decisions. Forget decisions. Yeah. There's no judges involved in any of these fights. It's fucking crazy. He, I think he might be the most disrespected champion, so. Not even because of that. It's also like, there's so many big names in the 155. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, Charles Oliveira is a champ. And it's like. Fuck, he's been around for so long too. Like you look at some of his highlights. He's still young. Like <laughs> Yeah, bro. It's the wildest thing ever. He's thirty two. I know. I always think about like thirty three. The me. UFC, the way they like that that fifty five division is stacked with names. You got Chandler, McGregor's there, Poirier's there. Like those are the guys for the company. Like that's who you want as your champion. Like Charles Oliveira's a phenomenal fighter, but I don't know if you want him as your champion for business. Like he's he's great. Like I think he's great for business, but those guys are like all the way up here, and all yeah. like right. You know, he's a little below them. Yeah, well, it's and also not the language barrier. Him, that's just what it is. It's also the language barrier. Yeah, he has he, a translator right. talking for him. But he's international. Like having Brazilian champ is also nah, huge for the company. You absolutely, know? yeah. That's probably their biggest market. I would say, right? Yeah, yeah. Outside of the states, probably or Europe, I guess. But yeah, like Russia, probably now too. Yeah. 
But man, I just think he's he's awesome. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. And on the flip side, it's Gaethje, who I think is everyone's favorite fighter to watch. Yeah. That guy is just. I remember telling Ahmed over the weekend he was watching it was he's like yo he was actually like an all American wrestler. He's like no way Gaethje. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, bro. He came in as a wrestler, and then yeah. he wanted to be the most exciting fighter, and that's why he. Yeah, his story's kind of crazy because like they'd show clips of him and Whitman. I forgot when he lost to. Who did he lose to? It was, was Poirier. Poirier. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, I don't know if I want to do this shit anymore, or he's like, I want to win now or something. He's like, all right, so we'll, we'll hone it in. Like, we don't got to put on fight of the nights every night. We'll, we're gonna, you know, get more technical and shit. He's like, you can't go out there throwing bombs. <laughs> Like that's the way you like to fight, but it's not going to win you a championship. And yeah, since then Whitman he, asked him. I know what clip you're talking about. Whitman asked him, like, "Yo, what do you want to do? Yeah, if you want to be champion. You can't fight like that, right?" And then he went on a streak until he ran into Habib, which that's not a bad loss when you lose to nah, Habib because yeah. everyone loses to Habib. But do you yeah. worry? Do you worry about the jujitsu though here? Oh yeah, like legitimate probably white belt versus the I highest mean, levels yeah, of black belt. I know your boy Nate Diaz was on IG, wasn't it? He was yeah. clowning him. He's like, yo, you got a mounted triangle. It's triangle. <laughs> like the ultimate form of disrespect. It's fascinating, this matchup, because if it hits the ground, I think, like I'm betting this Oliveira inside the distance a thousand percent. I'm I mean, betting it. Look at the this, track record we just laid yeah, out. Yeah, this fight is going to end early. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah. It's a classic betting one guy by submission, the other guy by knockout. Because like Gaethje ain't submitting anybody. Right. So it's going to be the stand-up of Gaethje and those leg kicks, right? Do you keep him at bay with the leg kicks? It's or funny, if- too. Like, I was talking, I was texting Dylan, my bad to cut you off, about, like, just wars. Because we were talking about, because uh, the Covington pictures came out. So I was like, he's like, yo, Covington could fight a Hamza next. And I was just like, yo, I think Colby wins, but his chin is suspect. I was like, yeah, bro, he's been in wars. Like, I think about Gaethje. Gaethje's been in wars, too. But Oliveira, how many times has he been dropped? So it's like both these guys, like I think if whoever, you know, if someone lands someone on the button, like could also be a knockout too. Like I wouldn't count out the possibility of a knockout. Listen, man. Like you think Charles just because of like the, the belt differential or the difference in the grappling department, you'd think like uh, you bet Charles by sub, but Charles could knock him out too, bro. Like you said, you touched on his striking. If you had to put a clip out there, his shit is technical, bro. And he could, he could put people out. And that's why I think this fight is so fascinating because Gaethje – He's going to have a moment where he could stun him. And Oliveira's been dropped in the Poirier fight and the Chandler fight. Remember, with, like, with Chandler, where he was, like, sort of, like, on his knees? And yeah, he was on all fours. Yeah, yeah. his head around, uh, avoiding strikes. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to be interesting to see. Because I think this is, this is a classic, like, submission goat against a striker. But then Charles' striking is also... And Charles, too, like, every time he's been put down, like... He's still there. So, like, if you jump in, like, you better be ready to put him away or else you're going to have to grapple go, him. He's not going to go meet him down there. That's, That's what, thing. But, but so, if you do, like, you're going to have to ground and pound him. Like, same thing happened with Chandler where he has to, like, go down there and didn't end well. Yeah. Chandler also had his back taken for a little bit. He did that, like, That shit was crazy. That, yeah, that yeah. Was pretty cool. But, man, this fight, you know, I want to – I'm going to pick Oliveira. I want Gaethje to win. I think Gaethje, like, he's one of those guys that I would like to see be champion. But – Oliveira, man, it's just so hard to pick against him. Yo, he's so well-rounded. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to go Gaethje. I think Gaethje, like, I don't know if Oliveira will try to, like, engage in the wrestling in terms of taking him down. But, like, I don't know how he would get him to the mat. 
But I think if he does, I think Gaethje's defensive wrestling will hold up. He might even pull guard, bro, like Oliveira. Yeah. Like, if he can't get a takedown, he might just pull guard, like, say, fuck it. Yeah, you got to wonder. I, I, like, if I could bet that, will, like, Oliveira pull guard, <laughs> I would put all my money on it. He does it at least once. You got to also wonder, Gaethje trains with Usman, too. So they've probably been ironing out takedown defenses, too. And, like, yeah. who better to... Yeah, well, Gaethje, too, like you said, he's all American. He don't right, really need but that. He but he just don't show it. Yeah. So, that I mean, that's how the fight's going to play out one way or another. And I think it's going to be – it's just such a cool matchup, man. It's going to end early. Do you have the odds? Money line odds? Yeah. So, you got Chandler – not Chandler, excuse me. Yo, those it's, two are tied forever. I mix them up now all the time. <laughs> Gaethje and uh, Chandler. Charles is the favorite. And he is, sorry, Gaethje's plus 140. Minus 165 is Oliveira, which I think is right. That's around where it should be. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm probably going to bet Gaethje. I would have my maybe closer to 130, 110. Maybe I'm wrong, though. We'll see. But I like Gaethje to win. I think Gaethje keeps, keeps on the feet and then eventually clips him. And if he does... How I said, like, you just can't engage in the ground game. I think you might even, like, have him stand up, which we haven't seen that done. I feel like with Oliver, like, people knock him down and they, they go engage, which is hard in the, in the fucking spirit of a fight, you know? If you have someone hurt bad, you want to go in there for the kill. But I think I feel like Gaethje, just because, like, dude, that dude Whitman's a genius. Mm -hmm. Are you going to put in the Whitman parlay? Rose Gaethje? <laughs> when it hit, and I didn't bet it. Uh, neither did I. Don't worry. I know. We talk about it all week. Yeah. Yo, um, real quick, Charles Oliveira has the most finishes in UFC history. Yeah. Submissions. Submissions. Gaethje has more performance bonuses than he does fights in the UFC. Right. So this is going to be a show, man. Bro, this is, this is a fight where if, if you don't have a friend who likes MMA or who just like doesn't know about it, like t bring him to the bar, bring yeah. him to the bar. I'm like, yo, it's going to be a great fight to watch. Yeah, and the car, too. Yeah, the car, too. The car's, car's going to be pretty cool. Got some big names on it, that, and they'll show the highlights. And we'll get Shogun, too, is on here. We talked, we didn't really talk about much. Shogun, OSP. Uh, I mean, it's just legend. Shogun. Yeah, but I, I feel like that's only on the pay-per-view because of the namesake. Yeah. No, I agree. I just thought it was cool. Yeah. Same same thing with Lauzana and Cowboy. Could be like a couple people's last dances. You never know. Yeah. Should be some people's last dance, though. I but who am I to judge, right? Yeah, no, nah, for sure. Hey, man. I feel the same way. Uh, where can people find you on uh, social? At Endevito27 on, tw on Twitter and the gram. I appreciate you coming on. We'll watch the fights together. We'll put some bets in. I'll put up a picture of you getting me the drink or me getting you the drink. I That's hope right. it's not me getting you the drink because the boy's going to have some money on Rose. So <laughs> I hope that's not the case. <laughs> The Whitman Parlay. The Whitman Parlay. Yo, the Whitman Parlay might pay like two to one. It might. Yeah, those are close odds. Probably will. Like it. But I'm riding Carla, so I'm out on this one. Yeah, and I'm Rose Oliveira. You're Carla Gaethje. Yeah. It's going to definitely be like Carla Oliveira. <laughs> and then we're going to lose both One ways. and one. Hey, at Nick Day is 10 is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. If you're a member of the Patreon, please check out the Patreon. Wrote something on there for you guys to check out. Also, I mentioned last week, if you've been a Patreon member for the last six months, due to me not living up to the expectations and some of the requirements that the Patreon asks, 
and you guys are supposed to be getting, I'm going to give out everyone free merch all of May. If you've been a member of the Patreon for the last six months or longer, there's been stuff I just because of scheduling and been really busy and working on some other things that you guys are going to hear about and scheduling that I wasn't able to fulfill. So obviously, depending on the tier you're going to be in, if you're in the higher tiers, you're going to get a better merch item, a more expensive one, like a sweater or a jacket. And then if you're in a lower tier, you get a hat or a shirt. But I'm going to give back. Uh, I'm in a position now where I can give back and I want to, especially to the members of the Patreon. So hope you guys get in touch with me if you are a member of the Patreon, because I have to get your addresses and send you some stuff out. And that's that. We'll catch you later this week with some more stuff. And boss, as always, thanks, brother. Yeah, until next time, bro. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.